Hello, this message is from Live Church Leeds. We hope it encourages and helps you. Hey, everybody. Hey, let's start with this. Are you a Coke person or a Pepsi person? Right? Pepsi? Are you a late night or an early morning? Would you rather have a feast or would you rather sleep all day? Yeah, there's a few. What about this? Are you a hot weather vacation person or a cold weather? Because this is what I wanted to focus on, that our life is filled with this. The average adult makes 35,000 choices every single day. What about that? That's too many, right? Thanks so much. You can finish. Come on, give it up for our keyboard player and our worship team doing such a great job. And See, the reason why I wanted to talk about this, okay, let's just take one of these areas that we have choices about, which is this. Let's look at eggs. Anybody have eggs this morning? Our life is filled with these choices every day. Did you know that every day the average person makes over 220 choices just about the food they eat alone, right? This is eggs for you. You can have your eggs hard-boiled, soft-boiled, hard-scrambled, soft-scrambled, perfect scrambled. You can have omelets, frittatas. You can have scrambled and hashes. You can have sunny side up. You can have over medium, over hard, poached, baked, or you can even have bastard, or you can do my favorite, raw. <laughs> and that's just with eggs alone. And the reason why I wanted to focus on this is because we make choices every day. Everyday choices. Choices every day. And a lot of people think that whatever happens to them is the will of God. And whatever they ended up being family born into, whatever your environment, whatever your culture is at the moment, that's the will of God for your life. And the reality is that God is, is our creator and God invites you and I into the creative process to make our life become better than it is today. So let's start with this. My choices are my part in the creative process of my life. My choices are my part. In other words, God is our creator and he brings us into an environment when we can start to make creative choices. When you hear a great musician play on their instrument or you hear them sing vocally and they have this incredible gift, you know they didn't just get there by accident. But there were choices they had to make to practice and rehearse and learn their craft. And in that same way, maybe you know a married couple. And that married couple might have been married for like two or three decades, and they've still got it. They've still got that chemistry. They've still got that sense where they really care about each other, love each other. I don't mean they're perfect. I just mean that you know that they have a great relational flow. Well, they didn't get there by accident. They made choices to honor, to love, to serve, to sacrifice sometimes what they personally want for the sake of their marriage. And in that same way, 
we can see dramatic turnarounds in life when we start to make better choices. Okay, let's look at it like this. Let's take obesity. You know that if someone starts to lose weight, they didn't just pray about it. They started to make better choices. I mean, imagine. Wouldn't that be amazing if we could just have a prayer service? Does anyone lose like a stone? I'll be the first one to say, I'm in that prayer meeting. You don't have to exercise. You can eat what you want. And when we know that, of course, that's not the way we lose weight. We lose weight by making healthy choices about our exercise. And I'm saying all that because I have learned that the elevator to success is out of order. If you just want to push a button and have the perfect life, you need to understand that you're going to have to take the stairs. And taking the stairs is doing life one step, one better choice at a time. And so I want to look at this in the Bible in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19. You can go ahead and turn there. Because what was happening was that God had promised his people a better life. And God promising his people a better life meant that they now had some decisions to make about their future. They were leaving this environment of bondage they'd lived in for many, many years and were about to come into this new land. But if you live in a new land and still make poor choices, your new land is going to struggle. And so Moses, at the very end of his life, he was trying to help people set them up for success. And so he gathered together his key leaders. And what we're going to read together, starting in verse 15, is what he said. But to set this context... I wanted to bring it like this. If you had the last few moments of your life, who would you gather around your hospital bed or your front room? And I have a friend of mine, Bob Goff, and he he reminded me, he goes, Steve, he goes, gather together those few people around your bed that would be there to hear what would be your final, most important thing that you would say at the end of your life. Who would those people be? Deliberately and intentionally choose them. And then he asked me this question, so how much time do you spend with those people through the course of your week? And that's a great question to ask yourself. Who are the people that you want to choose around you? And one of the people that Moses chose was Joshua. And Joshua was right there. It was an intentional choice. It wasn't by accident. He brought him right here to hear these words. And Moses said this, I set before you life and prosperity or death and destruction. Right? Simple choices. Why is God asking this simple choice? And why is Moses saying this? Because he knows that we have the capacity to make poor choices. Has anybody here ever made a poor choice? Yeah. And if your hand's not up, that's okay. I get it. I've got both hands up because I've made poor choices. And the reason why I wanted to focus on understanding this is because when we start to move to this understanding of how we can make better choices, we can look at this thought. That we are here today, not by chance, but by choice. And Moses was trying to get them to understand that we're in this location now, not by chance, but by choice. And so he goes on to say, Deuteronomy 30, 19, he goes on to say this, I have set before you blessings in life, now choose life. Now, interestingly, when Joshua heard that, Guess what Joshua did right before he died? The last few words of Joshua's life were this. Choose for yourself this day whom you shall serve. 
In other words, at the end of Joshua's life, which is in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, he is reiterating what he heard Moses bring to him. And I'm saying that today because we wanted to help people understand that better choices equal a better life. In fact, I take this a step further that nobody who is experiencing a better life got there by accident. You are here because you made some good choices in your life. And here's the great news. The only thing between a better life and where you are today is better choices. If you want a better life, you can have it. That's good news. You can have the better life. Now, I, I get it because people think, well, that, that means that to have that better life, then we have to identify some of the poor choices that we've made. And so let, let me start with this. When I began to think about this, I went back to my early years of marriage. And I realized that Charlotte and I, we've been married now 23 years, and that's good. But there was a moment when we had to make some better choices about building a better life. Do we have any newlyweds in the house? Anybody here been married less than two years? And if you are, just lift your hand. Oh, see, there's a few. There's a few. Yeah, huh? I'm not so sure. Did you, is your hand up? You're not married, are you? Are you married? You're married to your Bible. I love that you're married to your Bible. That's a good choice, being married to your Bible. But there will come a day when you set that Bible next to some gorgeous, godly chick in the house. And you look at her and you think, I think I want her to be my wife. And when you do that, remember what I'm about to tell you, all right? Because Charlotte and I, we were, I'll never forget, we were, we were living in South Bradford. We were on the way to a youth meeting on a Friday night, and we'd gotten to a disagreement in the car. And the disagreement in the car escalated. I don't really remember what started the agreement, but I remember the escalation of the agreement. And she said to me, she goes, Steve, she goes, I, I don't want to be going anywhere with you tonight. And I'm like, well, why is that? Why do you want to go anywhere with me tonight? And she said, because I've not seen you all week. And I don't want to go to the youth meeting. She goes, you've been home from work late every night this week. And I've just been the youth pastor and serving and doing lots of different things, busy with the work of church. And she's like, I don't want to go to any meeting with you at all. And I, I listened to what she was saying. And I didn't say anything for about 10 minutes and 15 minutes. And then we're in the car journey. And finally, I just got to a place where I said, fine then. If you don't want to go to the youth meeting with me, you can just get out of the car right now and walk. Right, I'm just being real. So she says, fine then, I'll get out of the car and walk. So I said, fine, I'll just pull over right here. So I pulled over, it was a cold rainy Friday at about 7 p.m. And she got out of the car and shut the door. And then I was like, now what do I do? I didn't expect her to get out of the car. And so I pulled and drove about 20 yards and I could see her. In my rearview mirror, as she's walking in, I'm thinking, this is stupid. This is not good. I drove about 100 yards and then realized the best thing I can do is put the car in reverse, drive back up, and say to Charlotte, Charlotte, I'm really sorry. Can you get in the car? And she's like, no, I'm not getting in the car with you. I, I thought that at that moment, thank God there were no police around because I started curb crawling. 
trying to get her to come in the vehicle with me to drive to the meeting. And, and so, you know, I apologize, and finally she gets into the car, and then we pull over, and she apologized, and I apologized. Well, what am I saying? I was young and dumb. Five minutes after that, of course, suddenly it was like, you know, I love you, Charlotte. She's like, I love you, Steve. And there was romance, and it was a beautiful moment. And that's the last time she got out of the vehicle, and we fell into this disagreement. What I'm saying is, when you start to make some choices that are not good choices, it feels like a standoff. It feels like, who's going to be the first one to humble yourself and say, I think I got this wrong. Who's going to be the first one to say the most powerful two words, I'm sorry, which I think is a great choice to start rebuilding and to start seeing what God wants to do, bringing that back in to a great environment and a great context. I mean, that's what we want to do. We want to create this environment where we create better choices that lead to a better life. And I'm saying that because I wanted to make sure you understand this point. Your greatest power is your power to choose. That's your greatest power. You've already made some great choices. The person you're sitting next to, you chose to sit next to them. Just nudge them right now. That was a great choice. You made a great choice. You came and you decided to enter into the worship. And you you decided to be able to sing and, and wake up early and Drive to 98 Kirksler Road to the Leeds campus. You decided to do that. In a moment, we're, we're going to see some people making some great choices to be water baptized. I mean, that's a great choice. What we're seeing is people making great choices and exercising that power of choice to line their life up with what the Bible teaches. But most of the time, we're unaware about making those choices. And so exercising the power of choice in these areas, like whose advice are you going to listen to? Who are you, you going to listen to? What career are you going to choose for your life? How are you going to choose your friends, your environment, your time, how you spend your time, how you spend your money? Well, I want to let you know that exercising the power of choice means you can take your life back. Maybe you've been in a place where people have robbed you from the power of your choice. Well, this is the truth. You can take your life back. And although prayer will not make up for your bad choices, prayer will help you make better decisions to move you forward in your life. And so that leads me to this. And this is where I really wanted to land on. But first, I needed to go through those first two points is this. Your past choice is not your last choice. Your past choice is not the end. Maybe you were like me and you made some poor decisions early on, but that was not my last choice. My, my, my next choice is my crucial choice. Maybe your last choice is that maybe you were married and the marriage didn't turn out like you thought and you ended up getting divorced. Well, your next choice is the choice you need to get right. And in this place, I want to let you know that that I, I get it. I mean, I watched my mom and dad get divorced after 32 years. And it was very difficult, very season of life. But, but here's what I want to say to you is that the past choice and your past heartache can stay in your past. And you can rebuild 
a better future by making better choices. Maybe you're in a place right now where you've been offended and hurt by people in the past. Well, guess what? You can find freedom and move forward and make some great friends and some better choices in your future. I wanted to say that because this is so important that we understand that in life, the easy choice is not the better choice, but the better choice creates a better future. It's not an easy choice to get water baptized, but it's the better choice from dealing with your past experiences. And that's why choosing Jesus and choosing to move forward starts making your life better. But then you have to keep making those better choices and remind yourself that if you've made a few mistakes, your past choice is not going to define me. I still have greatness in front of me. Think about those times in your life where your life has been at a standstill because you've not been able to choose. Have you ever been with people that can't decide where to eat, what, what movie to watch, or where to go? Maybe after church today you can't figure out some of those things. Well, it's like what happens is when our past choice starts to paralyze us, we don't want to make any choices. We don't want to choose at all. We just want to stay in this environment. And our, our world is filled with people who have made choices that are not the best choices. And that's why we're so grateful for who Jesus is, that he made the choice for each one of us to have not just a second chance. Because I don't know about you, but I need more than two chances. I need multiple chances, multiple choices. And if you're here today, I've got some great news. And the great news is this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, there is therefore no condemnation for you. There is no guilt for you. There is no shame for you. And I get it. As soon as we start to worship, the enemy reminds us of all of our past mistakes. All the things that we've done wrong. That's not an accidental thought that pops into your brain. No, I think that's intentional because the enemy knows. If you make a better choice, you'll have a better life. So he's reminding you of your past failures. And I've learned this. Every time we make a past failure and we remember it in our present realm, we need to remind the devil of his future. We need to remind the devil. If we think of a, oh, we screwed up. We need to remind. No, I'm here by grace. I gave my life to Jesus. I am forgiven by the grace of God. Oh, and by the way, enemy, you're going to be worm food. You're going to be fire fuel. You're going to be in an environment where you're going to suffer forever. Now, people think, oh, Steve, that's, that's mean to think of the enemy like that. No, it's not. Because I know what the enemy does. I know the abuse that, that we see him do in people's lives. We see the pain that people have when they lose a family member and die. God never intended people to die. He wants to spend eternity with people. That's who God is. That's why Jesus came. And so we've got to make this understanding very, very clear. That the enemy is a loser. He is a failure. And God's people are stronger than they think they are. Because we're making better choices today. See, that's not easy. And I want to say this again. The easy choice, the easy option is often not the option that people choose. The tougher choice of reconciliation, of standing in integrity, of staying morally strong. That, that's not always easy, but that's the right choice, isn't it? 
And when you stand, you don't get this, hey, 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 great job. When you stand up for the right choice at the right time, it doesn't always mean that everybody's going to celebrate that. It doesn't always mean at the moment that you'll see this, this sense of breakthrough. But I need you to understand that the tough choices that you know you need to make often lead to the better life. And I see that in my life right now. I've got a daughter who's 15 years old, and, and she did this the other day. She sent out a little Instagram story tweet about what she thinks about morality and what she thinks about Jesus. Right away, she stirred it up in her classes. She gets all these uh, direct message, messages back. How can you say that? How can you say that God is good? You know, my dad died of cancer. How can you say that, you know, there is a way to live life and that, that life is about purity? How can you say that because I'm sleeping around? You're judging me. Don't be judging me. And on and on and on comes this barrage. And I just say, sweetheart, just because you're getting those things doesn't mean you're making the wrong choice. What I want to say to her is that her better choice will lead to a better life. And other people may not celebrate it, but we're not called to please people. We're called to please God. We're called to serve Him. We're called to understand that when we're at peace with who God is, our lives are going to get better. I still remember having conversations with people I deeply loved. And they said, Steve, I don't understand why you're choosing to wake up and go to church on a Sunday. Nobody in our family goes to church. Nobody in our family serves God. And I just say, well, just trust me. It took over three decades. But I have seen every single one of the people in my family that challenged me, questioned me, ridiculed me. Now, give their life to Jesus Christ. And say, now we see what you told us about. It wasn't an easy path. But I'm saying that because maybe you're here today and you've not yet chosen Jesus. You've not yet made a decision to enter into a relationship with him. I get all that. It's not always easy. I understand that. But when you make that choice and you decide that my next choice is going to be a critical choice, where you do life, join a life group, join a life stage group, where you start to build, where you start to develop relationships with people, Choose the best people that you can. And if you can take that choice and you can start to exercise that power of choice, your life is going to have this incredible. I mean, it's like I get it right now. There's people here and you feel lonely and you feel like you're not connected. And I understand that. But your life doesn't have to end here. Your life is not going to stop here. It's not going to pause here. By making the choice to stay late after church. And stay in the foyer and have a coffee will be like, for some of you, will be like, that's a big choice. But that's the right choice to make. I'll never forget it when my, my mother now, she's in heaven. But right towards the end of her life, she started to be a part of a church. And, and I would talk to her. I said, look, Mom, I know that this is hard for you because this is a new environment. It's a new context. And you don't know many people. So why don't you choose to stay late? And Mom said, well, Steve, what you got to understand is that she has been divorced at that time. And, and, and she said, well, no one in my world hugs me or spends time with me. In fact, she had no physical contact. You know, it's a little bit weird if the postman comes and you're hugging the postman. <laughs> or if somebody comes to give you a takeaway and you want to hug them before you leave. So it was just awkward for her. And so she didn't have that. And 
uh, my two sisters were living away. And so she was like, I, I don't know what to do. I said, well, this is what you do. Stay and make a better choice and choose less. I don't know anybody. I, I, don't, I don't know anyone in the church. I said, well, just make a decision to choose to stay late. Now, I'll never forget it when I went to my mom's funeral at the church that she was a part of. And there at the funeral was this lady, and this lady had obviously lived a rough life, and she, she was pretty much homeless. And she came up and she gave me a big hug. And she began to talk to me, never met her before, and it seemed a little awkward at my mom's funeral to be having this conversation. But she came to me to say, Steve, she said, I wanted to let you know how grateful I am for your mother, Marcia. Because Marcia was the only one in church that would give me a hug at the end of a service. And what happened was my mom, even though she felt so lonely, she decided she was going to meet somebody else who felt lonely, and she was going to make a friend. And together, those two began to ride the minibus to church together, sit next to each other, love each other, start a relationship together. What was happening was that my mom exercising her power to choose was going to change the course of someone else's eternal destiny. And so even though my mom had made some poor choices, her last choice did not define her next choice. And your next choice doesn't have to be defined by your mistakes either. Your next choice can be the best choice to lead you forward by simply sitting down and saying, I'm going to embrace somebody. Let me talk to university students here in the house or Maybe you've just started your university course. I want to say to you, you're going to stand out when you start making better choices. Better choices don't mean you're following the party crowd of getting wasted and inebriated and all the alcohol. Because I've learned that although there's nothing wrong with drinking, there is a lot wrong with drinking in excess and becoming so drunk that you don't remember your name or don't remember who you are or where you're going. And all around us here on the Leeds campus, people around us are making poor choices. And many of those fueled by alcohol, fueled by other things. And so I want to say to our generation, our emerging generation, you can make better choices. And saying yes to the purposes of God means that you can say yes to so many great things that you don't need to be wasted when you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the adventure of life has begun, people. You don't need false stimulants and false things around your life because the journey of following Jesus is the most exciting journey that you can ever be on in life. Following Him, He's the giver of life. And so you get excited about who God is. And people say, well, why are you saying no to that? Why are you saying no to that lifestyle of immorality or getting wasted? And you can say, huh, because I'm saying yes to the giver of life. The one who gives life everlasting. The one who gives life eternal. Why should I? Why should I make these poor decisions? Why am I saying that? Because I've been to university. I've seen the choices people make. I remember walking into a room and one of the most gifted, talented musicians that I had ever met. He met before. He was in a room and in a little dorm room, and there in the room was this table. And I watched him, Craig, I watched him line up the cocaine. And he put it in lines. And he 
took the first hit. And then he said, Steve, you want to come have a hit of cocaine? Come on. Come on, have a hit. Come on, I just have a hit of cocaine. And I looked at that. I looked at my friend and I realized, that's why you're not excelling in your music. Because you're wasting your life on situations that don't matter, that are going to, poor choices, they're going to destroy you. And I closed the door and said no. And when I said no to that situation, I didn't immediately feel better. In fact, I thought, what am I missing out on? Well, guess what? A year later, when I gave my life to Jesus, and Jesus began to talk to me about better choices, I realized I'm not missing out on anything because now I have the sense of who God is. I don't need all those external stimulants. And I'm saying that to give you courage. To give you courage not just to say no, but to say yes to the right choices in life. And I close with this thought. If you want to go to London, you can't get on the train to Scotland. And the train to Scotland, and you're like, you know, you're on the train to Scotland. You're like, I don't want to go to London. I want to go. No, you got to get on a different train. You got to get in a different vehicle. You say, well, I'm praying I'm going to get to London. Well, that's great. You're praying to get to London, but you're going to have to decide to get on the right train. How do we get on the right train? By simply this. I'm asking everybody here to consider this. What would one small daily choice be in your life that would make a difference this week? Just one small daily choice. Just one simple daily choice. And what would be one long-term decision that could have the greatest impact? One small-term daily thing. It might be waking up five minutes early and just spending a moment in prayer. It might mean just spending a few more moments with the people close to you. That would be a small daily choice. But what about a big choice? What, what about choosing a new career path? Or, or what about choosing something? See, often we think about the long-term choices, but we don't adjust our life in the day-to-day. So I'm going to make it easy. Is there a financial situation, a health situation, a relational habit that you can define your life by making a courageous choice? A courageous choice that would say, yep, I'm going to walk out of this service and I'm going to exercise my power to choose and my power to make a courageous choice. Because I have learned that the decisions we make will determine our destiny. If you can make a better decision right now, a better decision for your life, then God will help you achieve what he's promised in your life. And we're going to worship and we're going to pray and we're going to see people water baptized in a minute, but we're going to celebrate people that are making better choices. And you might be here and you think, well, I need to make some better choices. I need to adjust. So before we move any further, I would love us in this last minute we have just to jump up to our feet and let's just pray for one more moment as we just bring today to a close. Come on, Leeds. How are we doing? Are we ready? I said, come on, Leeds. Are we ready? Come on, Leeds. Are we ready to make a good choice right now? Here's a good choice. Here's a great choice. Let's just turn our thoughts to Jesus.